pencil in the apocalypse. I gotta get up at five o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. All right, everybody, welcome back to Maximum Film, episode 237, a number that I'm sure is significant to somebody somewhere. <laughs> we will be discussing West Side Story. That is a promise. Um, I'm very happy to be taking the wheel this evening, um, but our beloved Ify Wadiwe will return. He's just momentarily gone doing something that I probably wouldn't understand, even if he explained it to me. He got stuck as a bird avatar and he's trying to come back. Yes. (laughs) He currently only exists in pixels and we're trying to make it through that. So yes. Oh, that very comforting and familiar voice you just heard, of course, is our beloved Poppy. Is it, (laughs) is it, is it icky if I say that? Uh, po- darling, you can call me whatever you want. Oh, <laughs> just the sweetest of sweethearts. That's right. Film critic extraordinaire, man about town, Alonzo Duralde. What's good? Well, you know, Drea, I know we try not to get too political on this show. Don't want to ruffle any feathers. But yes. I have to say I was very excited to learn today that the U.S. Senate approved a bill to make daylight savings time permanent. Now, would I have preferred that they had voted to make standard time permanent? Yes, of course I would have. But you know what? If it means not having to do the the fucking spring forward fallback thing ever again, I'm for it. Because uh, this entire week, I have been a wreck. Ever since losing that hour in the middle of the night on Saturday, uh, it, it, it's the 21st century. Let's just Let's just leave this in the dust, please. I hadn't even heard that, probably because I was still, you know, sleep deprived. <laughs> so I missed a lot of news. So I don't know what's left. I don't know when it lands on Biden's desk, but I think this is something for all for the for the divisiveness and the 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 awful, you know, split, terrible uh, uh, infighting going on in this country. I think we can all come together on this one. I think this is the one issue where where we can all like. You know, hands across America and be like, yes, fuck standard time and saving time one time all year. Leave it alone. You say that I do not have the same faith in people. (laughs) I guarantee this is a hot button issue for somebody. All right. So uh, we're talking about a very special movie. So we have a very special guest. We're super excited to welcome a comedian and one of our brethren in the movie podcasting sphere, the co-host of Medium Popcorn, Brandon Collins, coming here from Queens. What's good? Uh, Thanks for having me, y'all. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm, I'm all about cutting out the daylight savings time thing because I just came back from Texas. So I lost the hour when I was in Texas and then I lost the hour coming back to New York. So I am a wreck right now. That's just careless. I'm sorry. You, <laughs> yes. You, one, sure. But two, come on. So wait, yeah. What's good? I got to see a lot of movies at uh, South by Southwest, which was great. Got to perform on uh, a podcast during the festival, which I was not expecting. Yeah. Um, the one cool thing about my flight back to New York, though, was I'm a huge fan of the OC. Like, I was a huge fan growing up watching OC. And Ben Welcome McKenzie. To the OC, bitch. Yep. Yeah. And, and Ben McKenzie was sitting in front of me on the plane. Ooh. For real? Yeah. So I got to be like, hey, man, I really, I really liked you at the OC, man. I <laughs> love that. And he presumably has like some big TV career since then. And absolutely, if I saw him, I would be like, Oh yeah, it's the guy from the OC, mm-hmm. right? Yep. He he just popped up in that Amazon movie with Charlie Day and Jenny Slate. He has like a cameo in it. Oh, he has a real small. He plays the dad of yes. The, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. I always think of him as um, Marina Bakarin's partner because I like to identify oh. men <laughs> by the women they are coupled with. She's rad, Drea. Yeah. What's good? Oh, thank you. Well, my good has nothing to do with bills becoming laws or travel, but I did a very small kitchen refresh this weekend. Do tell. It feels really nice. I replaced the curtains that I've had forever, um, and I got like a much lighter, like a sort of neutral, Mm. cozy, and they have tassels on them, which of course, belatedly, I was like, oh, my cats are going to go batch it they're also they grease have, catchers in the kitchen you know but they're far enough away and i have like good airflow yeah uh, okay okay yeah they are thankfully they're on the other side they're nowhere near a fl- open flame unless one of said cat springs wants to them <laughs> so i did that and like i went through i got like those 
cutesy like storage boxes that have like I and I actually like went through and organized all my crap on the shelves. Man. So everything right now looks very magazine ready. There you go. I mean with the filter for all the dust that I can't be bothered <laughs> to deal with. Look, those little things make all the difference. You 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 feel rejuvenated when you enter that room. They really do. I've gone in there several times today and thought, "Oh, look at it with this light." <laughs> Oh my! It is so. Just, yes. Are you? Have you taken uh, influencer pictures of you? Like you know, uh, like like Chloe Kardashian's um, ridiculous pantry where everything is like five jars of barbecue sauce on a lazy Susan all label out. Yes. You know, and and they're all in um those mason jars. Oh the, no! The, yeah. The, the, yeah, the the chips ahoy's in the ziggurat patterns on the outside of a. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. That will be my next step. Hashtag kitchen goals. Yes. So on today's show, as mentioned, we are headed to the West Side, courtesy of Steven Spielberg. Yes, we are talking about the new West Side Story, and we will see how we do at a new online movie game. I'm sure we will do well because we are all professional movie watchers. No pressure. But first, it is time to it a dick where we look. I said time to it a dick. And that's going to haunt me that that clip exists <laughs> out there. weird on my end, but I know what you're saying. <laughs> it doesn't feel great, that, that, but, you know, rewind and listen and enjoy. But uh, Itadick, as you may know, is when we discuss the movie-related news of the day and give our take answering the questions, is this important and do I care? Alonzo, well, lead let's... us into that bold new Itadicking. Absolutely. So the Motion Picture Association's annual report uh, contains all kinds of statistics about movie watching and audience spending. According to their report in 2021, viewers around the world spent $99.7 billion on movies last year, which is almost back to pre-pandemic level. Notably, almost $72 billion of those dollars were spent at home on VOD rentals, streaming subscriptions, or Thank you, Blu-rays and DVDs. Is this important? Do you care? I'm I'm actually kind of surprised by that, but I don't know. If I sat down with a pen and paper, it probably makes a lot of sense to me. It's just more thinking of the volume of films. I am encouraged by it. It definitely, I will say the breakdown of it, that so much of it came out um, in ways that people could see at home, totally tracks. I'm mostly because... As someone who, you know, lives in a bunker on Mars. Indeed. So I'm viewing most of my things this way. Um, I assume everyone, there's other people in bunkers. Yeah, presumably. I think I think I bought two actual movie tickets in 2021. Um, and and oh, wow. not, not all that many in 2020. Uh, I, I would be curious to know how that compares to the 2019 breakdown in terms of mm. home versus theatrical. But also, well, I'm like, there's a lot I, more streamers now. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the, the other question, though, is um, how do they even know? Because I feel like the, the, the most Fort Knox secret in show business right yes. now is how many people actually watch some fucking thing on Netflix, you know, because they're always like, oh, it's our most viewed thing ever. And are this many blah, blah, people? And I'm like, could I see any receipts, please? You know, and it, no, it's it, it, it's like it's like, you know, Toss has issued a release and we just have to believe it. And, and you know, I know that the whole theatrical box office tracking is hinky math at best, but I really want to know how we know anything about what happens with streamers. That's true. I've sold movies to streamers that I can't get those numbers on. <laughs> and, and like, and they're also because they're, they're paid. A lot of them you're just bought. So it's in perpetuity of sure. doesn't matter how many, two people could stream it. 8 million people could stream it. You're not going to get a different dollar amount. So they do not care about giving you that information. Um, and so you do not get that information and you might very much well want it. But yeah, I, I didn't think about, it is always been kind of suspect of how any box office is tracked. I mean, especially <laughs> like TV and to translate that to streaming is, Mm. On one hand, you'd think you could, but oh no! I think if anything, there's probably you probably get more more exact numbers exist based on like how right. many people rented this thing from Amazon. But who gets to know that? You know, 
Yeah, I think the only metrics you could really get for online purchasing would be like the VODs, like the studios could say this many people spent 20 plus dollars watching Black Widow or, you know, sure, uh, sure. the Boss Baby 2, things like that. I think um, <laughs> I'm not really surprised uh, about that that high of a number of like online purchases and like how much money was spent just because I also am coming kind of from like a film critic privilege point of view where I get a lot of stuff for free. So I don't have to worry about paying the extra 20 bucks, but I know a lot of friends that have kids. They're like, I gotta, I gotta pay for something to distract these kids while we're stuck <laughs> in the house together. So yeah, again, I'm not really surprised. All right. Um, speaking of theaters, starting today, theaters around the country will be playing the 2014 Ukrainian film, The Guide, to raise money for relief effort. Regal Cinema signed on to the effort, as well as over 100 independent theaters. The Guide was Ukraine's entry for Best Foreign Language Film at the 87th Academy Awards, and proceeds will go to the Ukraine Relief Fund. This one seems like a gimme in terms of answering our question, but... Is this important? Do you care? Oh, for sure. I, I think it's great that 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 Regal's doing that. I don't know who the the, the U.S. distributor on the guide was, but I think it's great because I think you know people want to feel like they can do something, and uh, this is kind of a twofer because you know yes, the the money is great, and it's, it's, it, I'm sure it's going to go to to organizations that are doing good work. But you know, I think for a lot of people, the Ukraine itself, or, or sorry, Ukraine itself was maybe something of a mystery to them before all this happened. Like they, they, you know, weren't fully aware of its individual culture, its individual language, that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I, I think it's great that, that that's happening. Um, uh, on a similar note, if I can mention, um, uh, the distributor Altered Innocence um, put out the film Stop Zemlia, which I think uh, one of us did as a, as a staff pick earlier this year, which is, uh, a teenage coming of age movie, uh, you know, in set in contemporary Ukraine. Uh, for every copy of the DVD and Blu-ray sold, which uh, just became available this month, uh, they will be uh, uh, supporting an organization called Voices of Children, which works to protect Ukrainian children and rehabilitate them from PTSD uh, out of the current conflict. Oh, I do think it's important, and I care. And as people who are really deep in the trenches here, in terms of proselytizing film as both escapist art but also how it can shape you as a person and connect you as a community these are the kind of things that warm my regularly bummed out heart and i yeah it is interesting there's been so much culturally that people are you know tapping into learning about ukraine now that they wouldn't have and i wish it was not for these circumstances reasons yeah. yeah but good on the people who have put this together all right well good to know i i will i will try and check this out um so at the top of the show we were talking about south by southwest and it is indeed going on right now and after two years as an online only festival it's happening in person in austin um like most major film festivals uh south by southwest suspended its in-person festival for the past couple of years because of the ongoing pandemic last friday the festival kicked off once more uh, and attendees are back in person uh, according to deadline while South by Southwest is enforcing vax cards and mask wearing indoors screenings will be at full capacity so uh, is that was that your experience man oh, by the, and also oh, is it is this important do you care <laughs> yeah I mean this is, uh, it was pretty impressive how many people they fit into all the theaters the, the wow. biggest thing was logistically like the organizations of the lines and security left a little bit to be desired but yeah i mean every screening i went to was packed out uh, everything everywhere all at once the opening film of the festival yay the packed daniels out, packed out uh it was insane um and michelle yo and uh, the cast were there and that was awesome so it, it was a lot of fun but yeah it for someone that's still like reminding myself on a daily basis you know we're still in this like as relaxed as everyone feels like yeah. we're still so I would, I would put my mask on if I wasn't like eating popcorn or anything but there were people that were just disregarding like the mask rule they were yeah. they, uh. they were cough out loud and so that's the kind of thing where I'm like if you're going to do that, at least like th that's why the usher should be here to be like, hey, you got to put all your basket. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like I'm, I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm planning this week. I've got a couple of screening things lined up that I'm going to go to, which are my first in a while. But but yeah, I'm going to be 
masked up tight as much as possible because, you know, look, the numbers coming out of Europe are not looking great. And in the past, those have been sort of a harbinger for, for what's coming. So let's not all get too relaxed just yet. Okay. I, I know I'm, I'm sure I, it'll be fine. There's, I, <laughs> uh, they loosened up the mask rules. Yeah. Everywhere. So of course I'm it's sure gotta be fine. Yeah. yeah I, I, I know I have a reputation for being a bit of an alarmist here, but you know, maybe just uh, watch yourself. That's all I'm saying. Did I, did I not recently brag about how I live on a bunker in Mars? <laughs> I get it. No, I, the, the other thing, I am thrilled that festivals are opening up and especially since there was such that bummer turn of Sundance having to go virtual after like clinging so hard and trying so hard to be in person and just boom, hitting the wall. The other thing is South by Southwest to me was the portent of what was coming for the COVID in general, because when that it was, it's March, right? Like it was the March of 2020. And the day that South by said that they were not going to happen was like rip ripple. I was like shook, like, Oh, this now is it's happening. Real. <laughs> and this is a big ass deal because it is a, monstrously huge it's if you haven't been there's not just there's the film festival there's a tech festival there's the music festival like yeah there's it's all of these different things they all it's like hundred thousand plus people like there's so many people that go to it and the idea of something of that size shutting down that close to the event as someone who's worked at film festivals um, since you know early childhood because I'm very young it <laughs> it was uh, like mind-blowing so having it be open and uh, like I feel wonderful about that I do not feel wonderful enough to have gone myself <laughs> and sat in these full capacity screenings but I hope that whatever measures they have in place um worked and people are like safe and enjoying and like being part of you know film community again yeah, it was nice being in a city that was hosting a film festival that like felt vibrant. Like Austin has like its own energy, but like the people sure. there were excited. Uh, the critics were enthusiastic as hell about the movies that we watched. Because um, I went to Toronto International Film Festival last uh, fall, and Toronto was kind of like a ghost town. It was yeah. actually really alarming. Um, well, it was designed to be mostly virtual, as I recall. But there was like there was some in person stuff that was mainly designed for like Torontonians to attend. Right? Was that my well, it, that was, wrong? it was similar to like the the, the screens, like the, the process that sets out by Southwest. Um, it was just that they had limited seating for mm -hmm. some movies. You had to be uh, socially distanced. So they gave you assigned seats in the big mm -hmm. theaters. Yeah, it, it's just Toronto in general is just hurting. And so that was a bit sad because that's a city I really, really like traveling to because uh, sure. I'm originally from Michigan. And I hope it's getting back on its feet. No, that, that that's a great festival. I've enjoyed getting to go in the past, but just, you know, I think... I, you know, look, I, on the one hand, yes, obviously it's, it's important for these events to exist at all. And obviously to have that, there's something about the in-person thing of it, where it's, it's that feeling of an audience discovering something together for the first time. The, 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 the lobbies at film festivals are very important places for like connections to be made and introductions and, you know, networking and all that stuff. I get all of that, but I'll tell you, as somebody who has not generally been traveling to festivals, even before the pandemic was happening, being able to attend and New York and Toronto and Sundance and, and other festivals virtually uh, has really been great for me. And I think I'm sure for a lot of people around the country who maybe don't have the travel budget, but do have the high speed internet. And so the, it gives them access to an event that they normally wouldn't have, whether or not it's a, it's a, you know, viable thing to make that this an ongoing you know, platform, maybe not, but I think during this time, a lot of people did get a lot out of the way these festivals were being presented. Plug real quick. If I, my, my one South by Southwest review this year was for the new Richard Linklater movie, which is dropping on Netflix April 1st called Apollo 10 and a half. And I loved it to go read my review at the wrap. Yay. Well, go read his review, go see the guide in a theater near you and support Ukrainian relief and uh, the day this comes out is there's still a couple days left to South by Southwest Film Festival goes till March 20th. So maybe you can watch some award winners at the end yeah. of the fest. So there you go. We are going to take a break. But when we come back, we will be discussing West Side Story. I might break into song. Do, 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 do. Ah! 
Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have a special announcement. I'm no longer embarrassed by my brother, my brother, and me. You know, for years, each new episode of this supposed advice show was a fresh insult, a depraved jumble of erection jokes, ghost humor, and frankly, this is for the best, very little actionable advice. But now, as they enter their twilight years, I'm as surprised as anyone to admit that it's gotten kind of good. Justin, Travis, and Griffin's witticisms are more refined, like a humor column in a fancy magazine. And they hardly ever say Bazinga anymore. So, after you've completely finished listening to every single one of all of our other shows, why not join the McElroy Brothers every week for My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I am still Drea Clark sitting in for Ify Wadiwe. In the studio virtually with me are... Brandon Collins. Alonzo Duraldi. Thanks for coming back, gents. Today, we are talking about a movie that is a remake of a 1961 film, which itself was an adaptation of a 1957 stage musical, which was, of course, a modern interpretation of a 400-year-old Shakespearean tragedy. It also holds the distinction of being a Steven Spielberg passion project. All that being said, Alonzo Duralde, could you summarize West Side Story for anyone who might not be familiar? And then I want to do my snaps. So, okay, yes, if you've read Romeo and Juliet, you know what we're dealing with here. But um, it's it's post-World War II New York City and uh, battling for turf uh, in in a neighborhood that is being torn down to make way for Lincoln Center and uh, brand new skyscrapers that none of them will ever be able to afford to live in uh, are two gangs. Um, The Jets are the uh, children of uh, uh, Irish, Italian, and... And uh, Polish immigrants and the Sharks, who are um, newly arrived Puerto Ricans. uh, And uh, there's a great deal of animosity between the two groups. And uh, that rivalry is made more complicated when the sister of the uh, Sharks leader, uh, Maria, falls in love for former uh, Jet Chieftain Tony. And um, tragedy and glorious musical numbers ensue. I mean, that was off top of his head. That was beautiful. <laughs> you know, sometimes a summary, just like, oh, it's just a warm hug. And you really nailed that one. Thank I'm going to submit that for whatever <laughs> award platform recognizes good, for solid the, summation For the synopses, that award. Yes, <laughs> the synopses. 2021 Alonzo Duralde. So, yeah. So this one, I'm assuming because we are uh, deep deep film dorks here um there's a an awareness of the original and of this um i do have to admit like i've i've i certainly saw the original growing up but i think i saw it pretty young and didn't necessarily it wasn't my musical like i was more of a sound of music kind of gal um and in terms of what i had a lot of access to and i got into classic hollywood movies pretty young but they often if i if i was getting deep into musicals they were more of your sort of busby berkeley like that kind of so i i think it's good contextually just where is everyone else with the original like knowledge and familiarity yep so for me uh i actually watched the original for the first time two years ago at the very beginning of the the pandemic my wife and i were at home and West Side Story popped up on Hulu and she's like, oh, I love this musical. My wife is Puerto Rican from New York. Oh, okay. Wait, I'm sorry. Get some headphones on her. Scoot over. <laughs> well, well, I don't know if you want her on this. I don't know if you want her on this. But she's not going to have many great things to say. Um, except for about like a few of the performances. Other than that, she was not a, she's okay. not the biggest fan of this remake. I have some thoughts too, but um, I love the, I love the original, like the cinematography and the dance choreography blew me away from a film that's from, you know, the sixties. I was like, wow, this is incredible. Uh, the Brown face had a little problem with that, but, um, and also Tony is just not a great character. Like it's just not the most fleshed out leading role. And so, um, but nonetheless, I still really enjoyed, uh, the original. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, I see why my wife has a real, like, uh, a love for it. 
that's endured. Alonzo? Uh, I grew up in a West Side Story household, I guess. Um, my, my parents did not have a lot of soundtracks or cast albums, but we had The Sound of Music. We had uh, Nat King Cole Sings My Fair Lady, and we had West Side Story, the movie soundtrack. Um, and whenever it would come on TV, I remember we would watch it. And then uh, when I was living in Dallas, there was this thing where... I don't, I don't know how this would happen, but certain theaters like for a week would be like, Oh, we're going to show giant or we're going to show Dr. Zhivago. Uh, and like, like not a repertory house, like just a mainstream multiplex would just devote a screen to an older movie. And I guess there were, there was an audience for that. And one week they showed West side story. And so I went and got to see it projected, you know, uh, and it really, you know, just knocked me out all over again. So yeah, I, I had, I, I went into this one, with some trepidation, frankly, because I really liked the the original one a lot, and and this this movie was going to have to bring it, you know, to to kind of win me over. And uh, spoiler, it did. So this one, obviously, you know, you have a a relatively well known director here, mm, Mr. Steven bit. Spielberg. Some people, uh, depending on how deep you are into film, <laughs> uh, you might have heard of him before. But there is something to me. And, and we can certainly talk pros and cons, but the glory of watching a big budget movie where all of the money is not in post effects. <laughs> and do you know what I mean? That it is like, oh, we built these sets and it's this all this location work and the the costume design and like you have so many there's hundreds of extras dancing in scenes and they're in them shutting down streets and it's all it's also a period piece and the cameras are gorgeous like there was just something this is the opposite of any and no one has more love for like the two dollar indie film than i do but this was like oh it's cinema Uh, maximalism like right i max yes and i feel like above and beyond anything it was just so refreshing for my eyeballs to see something new that felt old, but that looked, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, that I, vibe. I, I was, I was thrilled by how they were basically, I felt in a lot of ways honoring the, the, the first film, but at the same time, kind of like finding way, places here and there to sort of, you know, make what I think are a lot of times were improvements. I think a lot of the stuff that Tony Kushner brings to the original, you know, Arthur Lawrence uh, book uh, deepens some of the characters and, and makes things a little bit richer. Um, I love, the way that Janusz Kaminski is like in my review, I think is something like, like like anamorphic angles. You didn't think they made anymore. Like the, the way he just, he'll, he'll find a way to like come up out of the, you know, like a, 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 a basement shot into the sidewalk or whatever that just felt very, you know, sixties to me, the way that the color is graded in this film so that everything kind of looks like an old Kodachrome photograph or a life magazine or something. You know, like it, it gives it that sense of period. It's not just this bright, shiny 21st century movie, but everybody's wearing, you know, the right shoes or whatever um yeah I, I was really thrilled with this because for years i i had wanted spielberg to do a big musical you know if you see like the jitterbug sequence from 1941 the opening credits of temple of doom this is a guy clearly who has the itch you know and, and like could do something really big and sumptuous and then when i heard that musical was going to be west side story it's like uh, oh oh uh, mm. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but I think it paid off. I, I really think that it's a gamble that works and that that he and Kushner and, and all of the the cast and crew like bring about something that's just exciting. And, uh, you know, I don't I, I'm of varying degrees of like, you know, where do we put I feel pretty and who sings somewhere. But like the moving America from a nighttime rooftop to the middle of the street in the daytime and letting the women have the literal real estate of the middle of the street that heretofore had only ever belonged to the gangs. Breathless, breathtaking. I, I I applauded in the theater, even though nobody who worked on the movie was there. You know, it was just I was excited you know to that. see it. You don't know who's in I'm the theater. I'm pretty sure they weren't there, but you never know. Yeah, who knows? Um, and, you know, I, I think also like the recent musicals I, you know, the ones I, I like some, I, I like, I like La La Land. I hated, you know, uh, uh, a greatest showman, but 
you know, you, you were reminded with all the editing that happens when people are dancing mm-hmm. that like, they don't have the time and the resources to like rehearse, you know, to get the dancers so good on this, that we can just have a long take of this and, and an uninterrupted sweep through as they're doing their due and, or to have enough takes to get it right or whatever it is that, that makes that happen. But you're seeing that here. And that to me is like, okay, if you're going to be Spielberg and have that kind of clout and have that kind of budget behind you, then this is what you do with it. I, yeah, Brandon, what did you think of, I mean, you, you live in New York, so I'm, I'm guessing it, it looks exactly like this, right? <laughs> Was it like a documentary for you? So there's a lot of things I liked about this. Um, Steven Spielberg's my favorite director of all time. Like I, you know, I have a VHS of Jurassic Park behind me. Like that's, I love everything that guy does. And I love the way they have a shot. This is like, cinematically it was one of the most beautiful films i've seen in recent memory want to put that out and some of the performances are fantastic i was really really disappointed to see uh mike faust uh be shut out of nominations is it faced or feist Feist, i'm terrible at names so you're asking i don't know like that came up for me too i mike feist and not to cut you off but i will jump in double dutch style i'm so glad you brought him up because it is that example of it it sets off a weaker performance when you see someone who's like bringing so many shades. You know, I don't know who I am and who cares who I am. Nobody, including me. I know that this dust that's covering everything right now, that's the four story buildings that were standing here when you went upstate a year ago. You know, I wake up to everything I know either getting sold or wrecked or being taken over by people that I don't like and they don't like me. And you know what's left out of all that? The Jets. I think Mike Feist and then Ariana DeBose, like yes. what they're doing and how it elevates those characters. And like, you get such a 360 degree and it's like, well, it's the same writers and the same, like it's what the people are doing with them. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned his, his riff. Absolutely. I mean, he and Ariana, they definitely, they, they brought it in their performances and like their energy. Um, I, Rachel, uh, Zegler, yeah, she um, she did fairly well as Maria, I think, um, especially for her film debut. My biggest issue, and I don't like to like harp on performances, but Ansel, <laughs> he he, it, I mean, and I already yeah, said prefaced yeah, this and yeah, said yeah, Tony yeah. is not a great character, but he and Rachel had very little chemistry. He had more chemistry with Mike than he did with Rachel <laughs> on screen. I felt um, just like in regards to their scenes popped a lot more than when he's supposed to be looking at Maria like this is the love of my life. I'm going to stop everything I'm doing in my life because I love yeah. her so much. But I also didn't want him to look like that because he seemed 10 years older than her and there was such a and obviously like you know our i'm sure plenty of our listeners are aware there were accusations that came out after the filming about ansel elgort having inappropriate relationships with younger women that had power dynamic issues and so to have that and then to watch this movie where even without those i would have thought what 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 is this grown man doing hitting on this child behind the bleachers? Uh-uh. Shut it down. I'm on Bernardo's side with this it, one. Yeah, it does, I, I I really am curious what how good was that audition or what? Because I, I yeah, I agree that he's the weak link of the movie. And and I've heard people say, Oh, well, you know, he's but he's famous and he was in, you know, Baby Dar, blah, blah, blah. And it's like you don't nobody in this movie has to be a star. The the movie is the star, yeah. you know, like we have Rita Moreno and that's great. And she's terrific in this, but like you could have cast this completely with like Broadway people who never made a movie before and who were right for the role. And it'd be great. And you're right. A lot of those limitations are the fact that Tony is kind of not the greatest role, but yeah. Elgort brings nothing to it, but he doesn't sink the movie either. Thankfully, no. because his like, voice is decent. Yeah. But like when Rachel Ziegler sings, I have a love, like you believe it and whether or not you believe it in their scenes together, she tells you that it's happening. And so you go, okay, well then, then it must be true. <laughs> yep. But I also, to my other like diagonal if anyone else had watching this again as a grown-ass woman made me realize i that like romeo and juliet is my least favorite shakespearean play (laughs) because those fucking dum-dums like the idea right like watching that story watching west side story 
if he had felt younger, because you have to buy in that these idiots believe that, like, they have, what, a three-minute conversation. And again, I realize it's musical. It's fantastical. Uh, no one's teenage, actually dancing in the you, streets. You need that adolescent frenzy. <laughs> right. And with with an older Tony, he was, like, 26 or 27 when they shot. You get this idea of, like, guy, you should, you should know, know better. better. <laughs> and the fact that you don't makes me icky like it's just this whole thing because their whole a lot of this movie i was like oh guys are idiots like the the territorial stuff i do agree i really liked that kushner fleshed out and made me feel more aware of like the property disputes i'm like yeah (laughs) my wife like i said she's puerto rican from new york that was her biggest issue with this besides just asking like why did they remake this like uh, (laughs) i have a lot of questions about what motivated them to to want to do this but money yeah that i mean they didn't make much but uh i yeah i'm sure at the time uh but uh she she was essentially like you know in the original musical it's it's fueled on racism it's fueled on these different races do not like each other and they have these racist views of one another. And then she felt like, you know, the way that like it was brought in with the gentrification and, you know, you know, making, taking, kicking everyone out to make room for Lee consider that was a bit like, mm, you're trying to like make that the enemy. Whereas back in this day, like that was th- the main issue was the, these, these racial groups just did not like each other. I mean, but I, I liked I, the context that it gave the racism, like so much racism is, People saying the excuses of, oh, this is, oh, the Civil War wasn't about slavery. It was about uh, states' rights. Like, people want, and it, like, to say that, oh, these, you know, we're building this thing or we're being moved out of our houses. It's, it sets up that us and them. Dynamic. Yeah, I, exactly. I think it brings in that whole, whole sort of economic element where it's like, don't get mad at the rich people tearing down the building. To get mad at these Puerto Rican people in the neighborhood. Like, they're the ones you're supposed to be angry with. And I, I think there is still that dynamic between them. The way they talk to each other is very much built on race. And I, the fact that they, they dwell on the notion that the Jets are, like I said, Irish, Polish, Italian, those groups were all considered not white at various points in American history, at various points in, in American immigration. And by this point in the 20th century, they were, you know, and, and so I, for me, I don't know. I just, I thought that, that, it, that, that felt richer to me. And, and, and I think it, you can't look at the way they talk to each other and look at each other and not say, this is people being gross and racist to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me anyway, that was my takeaway. Although I can certainly see being like if I like from that area originally identifying with like the women of it, there is like that. I do have that concern sometimes of I get a fully rounded character, but now are you trying to give me too much sympathy for these guys? And like, <laughs> yeah, true. The the Jets, the Jets are the white guys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's me. <laughs> professional. Um, the Jets do have, you know, more of this background. You get a little glimpse of them. The staging of Officer Krupke, that that idea of them literally acting out just institutional failures for how people and especially young people slip through the cracks and how that can lead to them making bad decisions because they're like let down by our government or leadership or society in general like i i liked that element but i also liked ooh liked is not a great word for it but the counterpoint of that i thought that the scene that really made this movie like oh this is fantastic is to me the darkest scene that has no music in it and that is when anita shows up and at docs um, at docs and which is now you know we've got this great rita moreno character that's sort of been augmented to fit her and it's after bernardo has been killed she's like freshly mourning the murder of the love of her life she's full of rage and confusion she has somehow been like coerced into helping her dumb friend her dumb baby friend like oh i'm gonna go find the idiot that killed the love of my life because your stupid immature ass is in love okay (laughs) but so like she's put herself in all this like hot button and she shows up at this room and it's where the jets are valentina es anita puede subir por favor que tengo que finish 
You come here speaking Spanish. I wasn't talking to you. No Spanish. Not with us. Not today. They're so immediately threatening, and there's such a like sexual assault ambush of her that like the other women that are in there the the white women who are like booing her when she comes in even they are almost immediate like they can sense it oh it is just like i mean they're the jets but they're the sharks in the water right and that scene and how it's handled and how it demonstrated like you can add nuance and give background but you also can't excuse behavior and that's what you're getting from this like that the fact that all of these big like hot button issues are happening in and then you're still having all these lovely musical numbers that's such a hard thing to those are two different weights you're lifting i will say this i think of all the things that tony kushner drops in to sort of like give background and context a couple of lines about why all these puerto rican citizens were now being relocated to new york you know because that you know there's a whole thing about you know the the american companies coming in and taking land away and you know that that's a whole sad history as well that 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 colors this entire story and this moment in history and i think you know he he given how well he he threaded the needle on all this other stuff i think they might have worked that in as well but you know we'll never know i mean it's a bit of a complex topic given like the the history of that migration and it's uh, that'd be that's murky waters to step in with like you know when you don't necessarily have to given like you have the lyrics and everything already done yeah no no, that that's fair that's fair the other thing that is very noticeable if you're familiar with this and i was familiar with the character of anybody's because That character Mm -hmm. means a lot to a lot of queer friends of mine. And in this version, anybody's is just a very clear transgender man. Non-binary. The actor's non-binary, but the interviews I've read is that the character was transgender. Okay. Because of the time. When I I wrote the review, I got very unclear answers from the Disney publishers. I read a great article (laughs) uh, interview with the actor and they said that Okay. It's also whatever. But yeah, they, they well, yes, do give anybody's that line clearly saying like, uh, I ain't no girl, you know, which yeah. is, which I think is, is for that period of American history is as much of an, a self-explanation as you're going to get from a character or with the terminology that was available at the time. And yeah, so I'm glad that's there. I'm glad that, that that specificity was added to what I'm sure in, in, in countless high school productions has just been, oh, it's a tomboy, you know. Yeah. Well, it's it's one of those ways if you're going to remake something and you're going to be, you know, shooting this in the 2020s or whatever, what what are you changing about it that takes whatever modern knowledge you have while retaining the fact that it's set in the past? If you're going to do that and you have a base character like anybody's, which in the original is more sort of tomboy coded, but different people have attached themselves to that character and love that character for different reasons. And this one, the idea of the smallest tweaks and the amount of research that just went into that the anybody's character felt both still relevant and pertinent for that time period. Like right. it wasn't this mm-hmm. anachronistic, like, oh, you guys really sort of time traveled someone there. But <laughs> I felt like, oh, just the glimpse of now I'm seeing of them, the the hardship that that character has or why they're trying to be part of this group so much that doesn't want them because they're completely by themselves without that group's protection. And all of this, like, those are the kind of things that that detail, like, meant so much to me the thoughtfulness of yeah that. the need for a community you know it's all there yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was a great performance and also like the, the the dance choreography when they're all at the at the at, you know the ball and um they are dancing with you know with the the jets like that was just such a good like a great scene um and then they try to take the the girl's hand and they're like oh mm. get out of here and i'm like that this is a really well like choreographed scene like in, yeah. in the film i thought that was really yeah. impressive Absolutely. Okay, well, so when we finish our reviews here, we like to rate things in the sort of screen it, which is up here, stream it or skip it. Uh, With that in place, Alonzo, do you want to show Brandon how it's done? 
Absolutely. Uh, I'm definitely a screen it. Uh, this was in, this was my number three uh, film of, of 2021. And I'm thrilled that you can stream it now. It is on uh, Disney Plus and Hulu. And um, I, it will be I'll be really curious to see if streaming accessibility impacts this year's Academy Awards the way that Z Channel helped Annie Hall win Best Picture back in like 1977. That was like a local LA uh, pay TV movie channel that where a lot of people saw that movie and it's historically considered the reason that that, that, that film won. Um, so, you know, a lot of titles of including ones we're talking about in the next couple episodes are now streaming. Uh, but yeah, if you can see it in the big screen, this is such a big screen movie. The, you just want that sound. You want to take just Janusz Kaminski's uh, uh, cinematography to fill your, your field of vision. Uh, but yeah, I, this movie... Uh, went f- way far and beyond what I would have expected, even from like Steven Spielberg gets to make a big budget musical. I- I'm a I'm a big fan. Awesome, Brandon, screen it, stream it, or skip it. I'm actually going to go with stream it. That's exactly what I did. Um, there was a lot of films that I wanted to see in the theater. Uh, West Side Story was just one I never really got around to. Like I I love Steven Spielberg, but at the same time, like uh, I just didn't have the enthusiasm to to go to it because I was and that's why it failed thanks a lot <laughs> well I was initially worried it was going to be at the Lion King remake where it was going to be a shot for shot remake Ooh, because yeah. once yeah. I heard it was going to take place in the 1950s again I'm like oh it could have been really risky but cool if they did a modern version of this like still keep the songs but you do a modern version I don't know if it would have worked but that would have given me something different but I will say again the cinematography was fantastic Steven Spielberg brought a certain level of energy that I was not expecting that I really really appreciated because I thought uh, Clint Eastwood with Jersey Boys. I'm like, how do you make such a high energy musical so boring and slow and dull? And I was just very impressed that Steven Spielberg was able to deliver a really robust, vibrant film. Uh, Yes, it's impacted a little bit by having the lead and playing Tony that doesn't really have chemistry with many of the main characters, but Mike, uh, Mike F. I'm just going to say that cause I can't, <laughs> I don't want to butcher his last name and Ariana, uh, they, they killed it. Uh, I'm glad that Ariana is getting a lot of recognition yeah. and love. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed to see that Mike's not there for best supporting actor. Cause I think if he were nominated, he'd be giving Troy from Coda a run for his money. Um, but yeah, I, I would say stream it, like definitely watch it. You know, form your own opinion. I think the the dance choreography is fantastic. Um, it wasn't my favorite musical of last year, but it's definitely a solid watch. Nice. Um, I am also a screen it. I think if you're going to take on remaking something beloved by so many people, you need to do it well and do it thoughtfully and artfully. And I think that's exactly what Spielberg did. There's just so many flourishes. The idea of you have multiple scenes where they're Spanish with no subtitles. Oh, yes. And and, and hearing him talk about how that he did that intentionally to not center it for the non-Spanish language audience of like, I just thought that, you know, I think the attention to detail and his true love of the source material came through and it's just, it was a joy to watch. So yes, horse side story. You done did it. (laughs) Okay. We will be right back after we hear from another show for maximum fun. Tonight. Maximum Fun is a network by and for cool, popular people. But did you know it also has an offering designed to appeal to nerds? A show for nerds? On Maximum Fun? The devil, you say? It's true. It's called The Greatest Generation, and they review episodes of a television program for nerds called Star Trek. They've reviewed TNG, DS9, and are now reviewing Voyager. Hey, Star Trek. My daughter enjoys that program. Well, if she enjoys that, and she enjoys humor of the flatulent variety, might I recommend she subscribe to The Greatest Generation? Hey, are you calling my kid a nerd? Why, I oughta... Well, gotta go! Become a friend of DeSoto by subscribing to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org today! Welcome back to Maximum Film. I am Drea Clark, and in the studio with me are... Alonzo Duraldi. 
and Brandon Collins. Now this week, a lot of folks on movie Twitter, which is a place I don't wish on anyone, <laughs> uh, but they were getting very excited about a new movie game that's following the Wordle model of giving you just one big puzzle a day as a total Wordle, like, what's the word? Addict. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't have five letters. That's why I couldn't think of it right away. To, um, I get that appeal today we're going to give it a try and see how we do marissa producer marissa is going to come and tell us about it so let's see how this goes um have have any of you guys i have not even seen this i don't know what it is is this the box office one it's it's called the box office game and uh we just as the website itself gives credit to another you know, storied film podcast, the Blank Check podcast. Mm. This is right at the bottom. Uh, the idea comes from our friends at the Blank Check podcast. Uh, but beyond that, there are some little tweaks and kind of cheats. And I thought about maybe looking up the answers to see if I should know. But I was like, no, let's just let's just go in and have a collaborative effort. Let's see how we can do. All right, I think team. we're going to need... To take some of the hints. That yeah, the, I'm so bad uh, with release dates. I never remember oh, what year Oh, I don't know when anything, anything came out. Yeah. I know, Drea, you mentioned, oh, a bunch of film experts. Surely we'll be great at this. And <laughs> no. I don't know. I think this is sort of I, a How I'm imagining skill. this is like, you know, trans- is it Transformers? When they like, not just transform, but then they click into like a monster altogether. No, right? that's a uh, Voltron. Like- Voltron, thank you. Yes, I think that we are going to click together into being a very ineffectual um, oh boy. being. And I'm excited. I was going to say that's the spirit, but then you got to the, yeah, the, the, the ineffectual part. Always my worst category on Schmodown was your release date. So, okay, go oh for my it. Gosh. What do we got? As you can all now see, the weekend in question is the weekend of July 1st, 1994. Um, so here's the good news. If we start with number one. Mm-hmm. Oh, we see the distributor. Okay. Number one movie this weekend was came from Disney. We can see that it was its third week in release <laughs> and that it was number one last week as well. So uh, I think I actually know this. Yeah, Disney so 94. Too. Yeah, that's might, the Lion King, right? Oh my God. Let's give it a guess. The, 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 the real so. Lion King. The beauty is the summer of 94, I was working at summer camp, so did not see a single motion picture. <laughs> Let's find out. <gasps> we got it. Wow. <laughs> Alonzo. Wow. No, okay, no points. Risk. All right, somebody's holding our big um, haiku, haiku, <laughs> kaiju together. <laughs> our haiku. Okay. Oh, I'm so cool. Number okay. two, Universal. Right. Universal. Number two, yes, Universal, it's first week in yeah. the charts. Uh, okay, was, a, a was, Universal release that came out July 1994. Was Liar Liar that summer, or was that a different No, no that's like 97, I think. Oh, yeah, I think maybe you're right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, summer, summer. Do we want to uh, find a hint? Oh, there's uh, hints? There, yes. Yes. Let's... We can choose tagline, which I'm very tempted by. Director, maybe? Uh, Genre? I, oh, oh, I see. And this is how many points you get shaved off if you click it. Oh, yeah. interesting. Uh, let's try director. Director. That, that might... Okay. <laughs> Russell Mulcahy. Oh. Russell Mulcahy. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Uh, is it The Shadow? Let's give oh, it a God. try. We have no wrong answer, wrong guesses, yes. Correct. Oh my God, the shadow knows. I don't even know why I'm here. So is this a Voltron situation or is it just Alonzo and a bunch of... I'm just here. Alonzo is... Benign appendages. I'm just like... Holding okay. up the bucket for well, him to spit into. Now, now that I know there are hints, that that helps a lot because like going in, yes. going in just like blind, forget it. I don't think I would have sprung this on you guys if there hadn't been the hint <laughs> yeah. element. Okay, so I'm not third, that cruel. the third spot is twenty uh, century a Fox, Fox release. It's, it's been it, out for four, four weeks, weeks already. It was and number it, two the week it before. It was number two the previous week. Hmm. Is it? Um, it come out. What do you got? Brandon? Is it speed? Oh. Would you want to guess? Yeah, speed ninety four. Okay, we, we, I mean we have a if we have a yeah. hint, we can go yeah. with that too. Go no, let, let's no, start no, with no, a guess. Try speed. Guess. Try speed. Did speed really come out when I came was... out in June? I think you got it, Brandon. Yes! Oh, wow. cool. right. oh my gosh! Well done. I just want to say it's a delight to just be here as the dead weight amongst you two. <laughs> I'm highly enjoying this. You're a, you're a booster. Right. We appreciate the, the Yes. So the Good. next two movies in the four and five spot are both movies that came out new this weekend. 
Okay, I'm gonna. This is a this is a wild stab in the dark, but because MGM For, is not the most prolific of studios, mm-hmm. oh, is this getting even with Dad? Oh, at wow. number four, well, I don't even know what that is. It's a that um, <laughs> Macaulay Culkin Ted. Danson I do remember movie. that that exists. How do you feel, guys? Shall I just give it a guess? We're I feel like so he great. just made up a motion picture. <laughs> I think I, I I don't know if I would go with that one. Uh, Ninety ninety four MGM. And this just came out, right? Because because look, ninety was yeah, ninety yeah, was Home Alone. Ninety two. I wonder if it's Stargate though. Ninety two was Home Alone two. Uh, no, Stargate was no. It was either earlier or later. I know I was. I think it was. Well, okay. we could do for just. We, it only costs us ten points to reveal the genre. Uh, okay, try that. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Sure, why not? Action, Action oh. crime, drama. Okay, then not getting even with that. Um. It's not blood. I, by the way, would watch a Macaulay Culkin Ted Danson <laughs> film that was action crime drama. The Good Son. Uh, <laughs> that, that's not a real guess. I don't actually. Yeah, no, know. that was an MGM. Um, God, and it's not Blown Away was the, the following year, I think. Um, hmm, uh, let's try. Let's try Actor One. Oh, Actor yeah. One. Jeff Bridges. Bridges. Jeff Bridges is your is your headliner. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> Is it blown away? I thought that was ninety five, but maybe it was ninety four. Uh, another film I've never heard of. It's, it's, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's remember Jeff that movie Bridges existing. and Tommy Lee Jones, and it's like a bombing thing. Like one oh, of the, one so of them. One's made for dads. One's a, exactly. One's a terrorist, well, it, and one's I mean, a. We're talking about a movie that opened at number four, so I don't know. Yeah, blown be, away. Try, blown Should away. Should we give it a try? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna have a guess. <laughs> Oh my God, Alonzo's done it. Nice. Oh, this is great. Let me, let me wipe your brow. Just get in there. Oh. That is You're doing great. Right. You're doing great, hon. Now, our final our final uh, t- of the top five. This game only goes to five. Thank God. Um, we have uh, another what Disney. Did, oh, another Disney that What came did Disney out? throw out while the Lion King was rampaging no over kidding. everything yeah maybe a live action or probably yeah it's the first Brand week new. it's been out right yeah 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 like i mean like jungle, do they have like, like a live action remake like a jungle sequel? to jungle or was something like some Tim Allen in the outfield? Movie? was that 94 angels maybe. in the outfield it, possible it could be was that summer I don't remember. It's, a, uh, it's a baseball movie. That would have been dumb not to put it out in uh, the summer. Let's try it. Why not? Angels let's in the Outfield. It. What the hell? You guys are... Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. boy. They'll get mad at me if this is not right. Well, we have, we have uh, oh, several uh, wrongs we can get. Nope. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Can we do a... Should we do it? what? Director? Actor? Uh, let's, let's try director again. Okay, I'm kind of curious about tagline, but tagline. Um, we, okay, too sure. No, no. It's too like, oh, you're right. You're right. It's not plot. It's just the tagline. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do the tagline just for fun. It's from you know 28 years ago. Romance was, was never, never more dangerous. Oh. Oh, it's not. I love trouble. Like, is it? That was that was way earlier. Oh no 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 no. Oh no no no. Chain reaction. Oh wow. Oh, that's another oh, Keanu that Reeves. Been I much... can't see them doing. No, that, that 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 wasn't Disney. Romance um, Disney never... romance dangerous. Um, wow. Well, here's here's the thing. It, that, it, it it could be like a Touchstone movie, you know. Romance was never more, more dangerous. dangerous. Um, was this a, is this a is this a gross Michael Douglas thing? Is this a uh, no, because that, that that the exclamation point. It, it seems like they're being cutesy about it. So it's, oh, it, you're it's, right. It's not part of the Michael Douglas sexual panic trilogy. Um, this is more like if the tuxedo was from the '90s. Exactly. Uh, Got you. Okay. Romance. And there. yes, I did reference a Jennifer uh, Love Hewitt. Love Hewitt. Jackie Chan. <laughs> Jackie movie. Chan movie. <laughs> uh, even though I haven't heard of. Three of the four movies that we've done so far, I did um, find hmm. the tuxedo in my brain. All right, let's let's go with director. Uh, maybe that'll give it yeah. to us. Charles Man. Charles Shire. Shire. Okay, this is when this is when he and Nancy Myers were still together, right? Because Parent Trap is like ninety five or six. So, oh, Charles Shire. The only movies I can think of that would fit this tagline are from the eighties. So. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to think of what did the what what did the Shire what did the Schmeyers do pre uh, uh, Parent Trap? But I can't. I don't know. All I can think, think of are things like First Daughter or. <laughs> uh, all um, right, give us give actor us actor one. one. Yeah. 
Nick, Nick if this Nolte. is I Love, it is trouble. I love trouble, trouble, I think. Julia Roberts, right? Oh, man. Alonzo okay. said I Love Trouble like 10 minutes ago. Yeah, but I thought that was like 89 or something. Yeah, this is why I'm bad with screen oh release dates. Listen. Correct. Hey. Apologies to both of you. You both knew that one. All right, you guys. You finished the box office game successfully with a score of 900 points. I think this is great. So we all we all need Alonzo on our team, but uh, as <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I've proven myself to be a pretty amazing player. Hey, Brandon was in there with game. speed. I did not was yeah. not oh, thinking no. that. I'm so. the only real deadweight here. I think I definitely could have looked up all the answers ahead of time and been just as much help as I was to you. Uh, <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all are hosting and encouraging and providing a Good. context. It's all very important. I do like to watch you boys succeed. <laughs> all right. Well, Congratulations, team. Uh, team Max Film. Okay. Oh, Voltron. I might actually start playing this. Yes. I hope Alonzo gets super into it and it can be your what's good next week. You're like, I haven't been able to put my phone down in days. Well, look, like Wordle, it's one a day. I can live with that. True. What a, that is a very good point. You can't mainline them if you can only do one a day. Exactly. So it is now time for staff picks. This can be any movie at all from the whole wide world. T- space and time continuum. Any motion picture you would like. Alonzo, start us off. So uh, I'm thrilled that dropping today along with this episode is uh, Deep Water on Hulu, which is the first film in 20 years from director Adrian Lyne, the the genius behind such unforgettable films as Flashdance and Nine and a Half Weeks and Fatal Attraction. Uh, this is an erotic thriller, and we haven't had one of those in a while. Yeah. And it's Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas, and it's based on a Patricia Highsmith novel. And it's pretty trashy and it's pretty entertaining. And I think uh, it's not like 100%, you know, perfect, but it gives you all that Adrian line, heavy breathing, lingerie, uh, relatable luxury porn that you would ever want. It's definitely, I haven't seen it yet. I'm very much looking forward to it because this is a book that many pockets of my friends, most of them like married women with several children we're like, have you read this? Like, okay, <laughs> all right. So I did, and I am looking forward to seeing the erotic thrillerness of it. <laughs> Brandon, what do you got for us? Sure, I'm gonna go with uh, in the heat of the night. Uh, Sydney nice. Poitier. I've uh, recently yeah. watched it for my movie podcast, and it's just a phenomenal film. It's a really good mystery. There's some phenomenal performances. It's shot really well, especially for Sydney Poitier. Like. Because, you know, movies sometimes, especially back then, weren't lighting us right. So uh, the fact <laughs> yeah. that he looks great in it and he's he just has this presence and, you know, rest in power, uh, sir. But uh, that's a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, it's on Hulu, HBO Max. Watch it. It's it's amazing. Awesome. And, and by the way, there is a 4K coming out from Kino Lorber on April 19th. So uh, just throwing a little physical media plug out there. But yes, it is streaming and you should totally be watching it. You should watch it, and I'm forever going to personally treasure the day when our guest said in the heat of the night, and Alonzo Duralde said, Deep Water with Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. <laughs> um, because the man, he contains multitudes. <laughs> I appreciate that. Got to keep him guessing. How yes. about you, Drea? So mine is, again, just we're going to have a whole uh, triangle of unrelated films, which is a fun way to do it. Um, I have a documentary to recommend called Ballet 422. Um, It is a documentary about choreographer Justin Peck, who is the choreographer who did this version of West Side Story. He obviously um, has a lot of really small nods to Jerome Robbins' original work, and he actually danced um, for Jerome Robbins. He definitely performed in West Side Story himself, but he... um, He was an incredible dancer himself. He still is, but he's more known for his choreography. And if you're, I love watching dance. If you're interested in ballet at all, this is following him when he, it's from 2014 when he was still in the core or not the core. I think he was a principal, but he was also just starting to choreograph. And so you're seeing him performing and doing um, a piece for the New York ballet. 
And um, it's great. I just like watching people create the art that they're good at. And it is streaming on HBO Max and Hoopla and Pluto TV for free with ads. Woo woo. Thanks, Alonzo. All right. This was a treat, fellas. Um, I highly enjoyed being the... Uh, the wait, Julie McCoy, the love boat <laughs> social director, with you two being my only guests here on the boat. Brandon, thanks for joining us on the Lido thank deck. Thank you for having me. Really, yes, <laughs> thank you for joining us on the Lido deck. Um, and Brandon, because you do have both an online presence and podcast presence, can you uh, let the people know where they can find you? Absolutely. Folks, you can follow me at American Collins on all social media platforms. You can follow my uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts, any podcast players. It's called Medium Popcorn. has the best theme song in the podcast game, if I do say so myself. And uh, yeah, like that's where my, my friend Justin Brown and I, we review movies on a weekly basis. Some are old, some are new. It's always a good variety. There's no specific genre or theme. And so, uh, yeah, if you, if you like me talking about movies, go over there and check that out. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank awesome. you for staying up late to do this. No problem. Um, and Alonzo, always a treat. Thank you, madam. Same to you. To you, sir. To you. <laughs> now, if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, you can tweet at us at Maximum underscore film. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com slash group slash Maximum Film or send us an email at Maximum Film at Maximum Email a voice memo for the hotline and we will answer your questions. You can also just type it out. Type it out, voice it out, just get us them questions. Our lovely producer is Marissa Flaxbart. Our also lovely senior producer is Laura Swisher. And this is a lovely production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.